Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is death. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so you literally have just come from a funeral. Yes. And sadly, the United States has just hit 350,000 deaths from COVID. So More it than. seems like a horribly appropriate topic. Now, one of the other reasons I wanted to bring this up, not just because it seems so prominent at the moment, is because I want to try to make it less of a scary topic for people because it's not something that's often talked about in this culture and it's not something that people like to even approach. And it's I want very to true. take a little bit of the pain, mystery and whatever out of it. So, let's start. Okay. You've seen a fair amount of actual death, right? You've been present at a lot of people who have died. I have. Not as many, obviously, as medical professionals or for those for whom this is their lifetime calling, but I have been present with several people as they have died or been present with them shortly after they have died. And it's something that I'm actually grateful to not be afraid of and to be fairly comfortable with. And so it's something that has been a part of my ministry in a big way, less so in this call. Oh, interesting. There have been fewer deaths in this call than my previous congregations, for sure. But it's still something that I've been around quite a bit. And I have a lot of feelings about. I have a lot of stuff that I really care about around death. So it's something anytime anyone wants to talk about this, if you have a question or you have a wondering or any of those kinds of things, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about this anytime. Do you think you've always been comfortable around it, or is this something that has grown in your ministry? It's something that I have grown more comfortable with over my ministry. I think my mother worked in elder care when I was young. Okay. And so she would talk about it with a comfort. And I think that helped me when I was younger to not be as afraid of it. But I didn't do a single funeral on my internship. It was a very young congregation, hmm. and so I didn't have a single funeral that I attended that entire year. And I don't know that I had attended funerals. Really? I don't know that I had anybody. Like, there were a couple of deaths in my life, but I wasn't able to go to attend the service. Oh, man. I had such a large family in the Midwest that some great aunt was always dying of something, and my grandparents passed away when I was younger, and there was always some funeral randomly you'd be going to. Yeah, so if funerals weren't a thing, but talking about death was a thing. Okay. Because mom worked in elder care, right? So she would talk about how someone that she was a caregiver for, she was a, an ombudsman. She worked for the local area agency on aging, which would be like the Department of Aging Care in our area. Mm-hmm. And so she would work with the caregivers of elders to make sure that they were well-supported and all that kind of thing. So mom would talk about someone who would be actively kind of in the last weeks or days of their life. And she would say, oh, this person was reaching. They're going to be gone in the next couple of days. Well, what are you talking about? And then she would explain to me the process of the last final days. Oftentimes or sometimes there might be a point in time where the individual who is dying and releasing their body starts 
gazing off to the horizon and reaching their hand out. Sometimes they'll even say the name of someone that they love that has died before, and it's like they're reaching for them. And so she would talk about this like it was just a part of her normal day. Wow. And then two or three days later, that person would die and it would be okay. Or mom would share this story of someone who would die and they were the primary caregiver of a loved one with Alzheimer's. And so mom had a specialty that she worked with Alzheimer's. And so she'd say, well, you know, she has Alzheimer's, but his heart was bad and he died this week. So it'll be another week or two before he comes back to get her. She'd just say that in her Southern, you know, slight Mm -hmm. Southern drawl. And a couple weeks later, sure enough, the individual with Alzheimer's would die. And gently and peacefully, Mm -hmm. the mom would say, well, he came back and got her. Wow. And just talked about it with such an ease and such a grace and such a love and acceptance that this is just part of our life. This is just part of what happens. And so I think being raised with that through middle and high school gave a kind of lack of fear so that when I got into my first call and I did have a lot of experience with a lot of deaths Mm -hmm. from the gentle and the beautiful and the expected and the surrounded by family to the incredibly painful and tragic, I had a foundation of death is okay. And so over the years, it's just been something that I've become more and more settled with. It doesn't make it easy. No, it's never easy. It's not necessarily an easy thing. And grief is super real. Mm -hmm. But to not be afraid of death, to recognize it as a part of the journey and to let it be something that can even be beautiful. I think it's a gift. I wish I could give that gift to more people. I think because we are so far removed from death in a way that we hadn't been even 50, 60 years ago, Mm -hmm. it's not helping us now. Oh, you could get me started on this topic and I could babble for ages (laughs) about that because I think it's a huge deal, right? My original dissertation topic was wanting to research more into this. Like, when did we stop preparing the bodies ourselves? And when did we remove the care of a dead person and make it something sterilized and take it away. And it could be that I would learn all sorts of things as to why that was necessary. Mm -hmm. But I think there's so much that is lost and we create so much fear and anxiety around death because we do remove it from our homes and we remove it from our hands and put it into the hands of professionals and sterilize it and sanitize it when it's not something that is sterile or sanitary. And we avoid it Mm -hmm. as much as we possibly can. And then an entire industry of capitalism takes over and says, okay, well, we'll make sure you don't die by selling you all kinds of things. And then Mm -hmm. when you do die, we'll sell you all kinds of things around that too. So I got a lot of feels about (laughs) About all of that. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like hospitals have been a blessing and a curse. It takes away being at a death, at least in a personal way, like in a home or something like that. 
And I think that need for sterilization makes us so much more uncomfortable when that death does come to us personally. Mm -hmm. And if we think about, so homes used to have parlors, Mm -hmm. right? The front parlor. And that is where we would have people lie in state at home Mm -hmm. would be in your parlor. And so when funeral homes began to exist. They were not something that used to always exist. They have not always been a thing. When they came to exist, they became funeral parlors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then your parlor became your living room Mm -hmm. because that's where the living were, not the dead in the visitation, right? And so we moved then the whole process of visitation and all of that to funeral parlors instead of in our homes, And it's not in any way that I want to say that the funeral parlor industry is wrong or bad or evil. They're beautiful and talented and amazing people who work in that industry. But it is exactly that now. It is an industry. And there are major national players. Finding a local funeral home that is owned independently is hard to do. Mm -hmm. You have to work to choose, just like you have to work to choose a local yarn store Mm -hmm. or a local grocery. You have to work to choose a local funeral parlor. And that's hard because once you start getting big industry involved, things change. Yeah. They become less personal. It becomes harder. There's also something about the way it used to be done, when you think about somebody like a big figure like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's recently died and lied in state, that idea of going to view a body seems old fashioned to me. And it's something when I talk to my mother about, it's something that is necessary for her to sort of move forward in the grieving process. Mm. It almost seems antiquated in a way that because I have lived so far from where a lot of the funerals have been happening, I've found other ways. I've had to find other ways to get through this process. Mm -hmm. But it's like we have no interest in finding alternate ways to do some of these rituals to help us deal with death. And I think there is incredible value in being present with the departed saint. Mm -hmm. and making it real. And that for folks who want to be nerds about some of this stuff, in the same way that there's a difference between a cemetery and a graveyard, there's a difference between a funeral and a memorial service. And a funeral service, the saint is present. Okay. The remains of the saint are present. Whether that is in a coffin with a viewing, or whether that is their cremated remains. But A funeral is a service where the actual physical remains of the individual are present in the room during the service. And a memorial service is when they are not. And I think there's totally understandable reasons for there to be memorial services, such as exactly what you're talking about. We are so much more dispersed now. Mm -hmm. And there's no easy way to get everyone together right now during COVID. Especially right now, yep. Right. People being present for a funeral service, you can have a minimal amount of people present. Well, it's going to lead to more funerals, sadly. Totally. Totally. And so how do we 
exactly as you're saying, build other rituals and build other ways. Different traditions and different faith practices will dictate how someone's body is managed Mm -hmm. and how it's taken care of afterwards. But for many Protestants, the ability to start creating the little mementos, whether that be glass figures or necklaces or wind chimes, all of those kinds of things, I think, have been taking off in recent years. Because people still long for that connection to the physical manifestation that death is real. There used to be something called memento mori. There still are. Mm -hmm. Memento mori is still a real thing. But in the Victorian age, it was a really common thing that you would have a coin or an item that would remind you that death is real and that death is coming so that you could be very present in your life because death was very real. And I think during COVID, there is certainly a benefit in kind of reintroducing that memento mori and reintroducing death is real and it can happen. So how do we prepare for it, talk about it, let it not be so scary? When you went through seminary, this has to have come up as a topic. What did they teach you about either funerals or death or being present at a death? Very little. I did take an elective class on funerals, death, and dying. And I think that's part of where my interest in it comes from, because I took that particular class. And it was all about kind of thinking about funerals and thinking about death and thinking about dying and how those things can be done in such a way that it enhances faith and isn't avoided. Things like final blessings, words of commendation, inviting hospice in to be able to work with a hospice team around death and so that you can be at home at the time of death and with family Mm -hmm. or working with people to understand what the kind of stages of what death looks like and to not be afraid of those so that when you hear the rattle, understanding what that death rattle is and how it sounds and that it's very hard for people to sit and listen to that for hours with their loved one. And so how do you come in and support them as they experience that? Even talking about it like this, someone might listen to this and in years from now might hear that and say, oh, this is normal. Mm -hmm. This is a part of the process. This isn't something that is bad. This isn't something I need to panic about. That rattle is a part of dying. And that's okay. And I have a hospice nurse here who can help make sure that my loved one has what they need to not hurt. Mm -hmm. Right? So talking about it, those kinds of things. So that's, I think, because I took that class, I had some of that benefit. But most of what they talked about at seminary wasn't how do you hold someone's hand or when you walk into a room and you've heard the death rattle for a day or so, check their feet Mm -hmm. to see how cold they are because extremities will get colder faster, right? So they didn't give those kinds of tips. They gave more like wear gloves if you're in the Midwest and the casket is metal. 
because otherwise your hand could freeze to it when you do your final blessing. Sure. Okay. Right? Right? Like there's some real... very different practical tip. Right? (laughs) It's the kind of thing that you have to think about because normally you don't want something between... When you do a blessing, you want Mm -hmm. your hand uncovered. But for people who might serve in the Midwest where it gets real, 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 real freezing, that kind of a tip actually really matters because you don't want to make things awkward in the moment of the funeral. So in seminary, it was a lot of, here's how you do the thing, not here's what happens as someone dies. Interesting. That's something you learn on the fly. So does the Bible have anything to say about death in particular? I think the Bible is pretty, you know, factual about it. When the Bible talks about it, it's honest. We hear about how Lazarus smells after several days in the warm, you know, that sort of thing. So it's very matter of fact. Death wasn't quite the same kind of mystery when the scriptures were written as it is now. Well, they were much closer to it, that's for sure. Exactly. And it was familiar. It was gritty. It, It was as real as it actually is, not removed from them. But what I think surprises people is to know that Jesus and the Gospels actually don't talk much about afterlife. No, they don't really. But there's we assume not, that they do. Uh, well, we assume a ton. Yeah, we do. Because <laughs> there's not actually a clear description of the afterlife. And our Jewish brethren, they don't believe in the kind of afterlife that Christians espouse. And so any pastor who says, this is exactly what happens after we die, we're all either just falling into the trap of really wanting to comfort our people Mm -hmm. (laughs) or really wanting to comfort ourselves. But theologically, it's super muddy. It's super, super muddy. And it is not clear what happens after we die. So as much as I say... Our beloved one is at the feast that has no end. Our beloved one is a saint in light. I can't tell you what that exactly means. And I can't tell you what that looks like because it's not in our scripture what that looks like. It is tradition. It is hope. It is heart belief. But theologically, it's really, really vague. Well, and I think that's part of the problem that we have with talking about death, because when you talk about death, you're inevitably going to be talking to somebody who has lost a loved one. And we are just as uncomfortable with that aspect of it as anything else, because we don't want to say the wrong thing or make it worse or anything like that, because nobody really knows. And when people are grieving, it hurts. Yeah. And And it's hard to be around that. Yeah. And the one thing that I will say It was during my clinical pastoral education that this particular training happened. And it was the training to just say someone has died. Don't use euphemisms. Passed over, gone on to a better life. What are some of the others? Beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Has crossed beyond the veil. Uh, Jesus needed a new angel. Mm -hmm. One, those things don't help. They avoid the reality Again, it's that whole removing us from the experience, right? 
making it mystical, making it beyond our understanding. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't get us connected to the reality of death. It just removes it even farther from us. So I work really hard and sometimes it's super hard. Sometimes when I'm typing a lot of times for death notices, the fastest way that I can do this well is right now, especially to do it over email Mm -hmm. and to send a notification out to the congregation. And I will type present with their beloved. They passed away this morning and I'll type that and I'll stare at it for five minutes and I'll go back and I'll edit and say died this morning. And then I'll write the rest of the email and then I'll come back and I'll change it to something gentler. Mm -hmm. And then remember, no, we just say died. We just say died. Received their baptismal promise. No, (laughs) died. Yeah. They died. And it's okay. It's okay that they died. Because as soon as we say it, as soon as we recognize it, then we can begin to mourn. And then we can begin to accept and find our way through, not around, not avoiding, through the grief. It's hard, but it's important. And all of that stuff about Jesus needing another angel and that sort of thing, or what doesn't kill you makes you stronger to people who are new widows or widowers, all that kind of stuff, that is so totally about comforting ourselves, Mm -hmm. not about comforting that person. So if you feel like you're about to say something like that, bite your tongue and just shush as best you can. And if you said it before you catch yourself, forgive yourself, but work on never saying it again. (laughs) I particularly like the Jewish saying of may their memory be a blessing. That one, I have leaned into that one heavily. Yeah. And I only learned that one with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I had not known of that phrase really until that was so clearly stated. She was Jewish. Mm -hmm. We don't say she's in a better place because as I said, afterlife is not a concept that is scripturally based. It is heart-based. And so to honor her, to learn how to say, may their memory be to a blessing is incredibly powerful. And it is an incredibly powerful concept. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you have any suggestions for anybody out there who seems to be struggling with the idea of death? I do. A couple of them, actually. First, find someone safe to talk about it with more. Talk about your fears. Talk about what it is that frightens you. Is it actually dying or is it knowing what comes after death or is it what you're leaving behind? what you're leaving behind, try to peg down what the fear is because we can have a lot of fears around death, but they're kind of scattered everywhere. So for example, I'm not afraid of death at all. I get to go be with Jesus. I'm super stoked about that. That is exciting to me and that's hopeful. And I'm not afraid of that in the slightest. I do carry a lot of anxiety and fear around making certain that I leave things in such a way that the ones that I love don't have a lot of pieces to pick up. Mm -hmm. So as simple as I'm afraid that my spouse won't know how to pay the bills because I'm the one who does the finances. And so when my mortality fears kick in, for example, around COVID, part of how I will address that, because I know it's not death that I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. It's my loved one 
not being okay after I'm gone that I'm afraid of. And so I will put processes and procedures into place. I will make detailed instructions on how to pay the bills so that I can let go of that fear. Sure. For some folks, that means buying life insurance, right? For some folks, that means writing detailed instructions. For some folks, that means prepaying for their funeral and connecting with the funeral home that you like and making all of your arrangements ahead of time. For some people, their fear is that their family won't respect their name and their wishes for their funeral. And so writing everything down and giving it to someone that you know and you trust to do it well, that can help to alleviate that fear. So kind of spend time with it. If you're struggling with this idea of death, Mm -hmm. spend some time with it and ask yourself why and start teasing out those questions and teasing out what is the actual base of that fear and then finding the right people to talk to about those things. And so that would be my main, my main piece. And for folks who have questions about the theology or folks who have questions about afterlife or that kind of big what comes next, find a spiritual person that you admire and like and talk to them about it. And I'm always around. I'm happy to talk about this stuff anytime. People are welcome to email me. I may not get back to you right away, lickety split, but I will get back to you. And so you can totally reach out to me. And we'll have the conversation. Not afraid of it at all. So those would be my main things. And research it. Let it be something that's not so strange. There's a really amazing funeral director. Uh, she's on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find her on the Order of the Good Death. And there's an entire movement of Death is Okay and uh, death cafes. And I think we've talked about these in previous podcasts. But, Possible. But look those up and let it come in to your daily conversation or your feed a little more frequently just to make it not so scary. And if you like random Victorian style stuff and you think that sort of thing is kind of cool, look up Memento Mori. And so M-E-M-E-N-T-O space M-O-R-I. Okay. And start thinking about what it would be like to allow yourself to recognize death is a part of life, and that's okay. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about death. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you for listening. If this has been a hard conversation for you, congratulations on sticking through if you're still listening. And if you have questions or thoughts, or if this is something that you, like me, are pretty kind of nerdy about, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me personally at pastor at centralportland.org or to the both of us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.